Blog Talk Radio. If I was Jesus, I'd come back from the dead. Welcome to Whitestone Reconciliation Radio, where we focus on being reconciled to Jesus. Because it's not about us, it's about Jesus. I know your dark little secrets. I'd look you right in the face and tell you I love you. Thanksgiving Day, uh, Turkey Day, and it was a very exciting game. It was a very uh, well-fought and tough game that uh, the Saints uh, won. And as I put on the uh, mail-out on on our website, uh, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie was uh, what the Cowboy fans were chanting uh, because Reggie was such an uh, advantage for uh, the Cowboys. Uh, you know, he really, uh, you know, he showed a lot of cobwebs and uh, stuff that um, it's not usually him in missing the ball and everything else. So um, this is uh, uh, was a good game. It was a good game. It was one where they're still adjusting their pro- program. But what I also liked about uh, the team and what it showed about the team is is that they – uh, can come back and they can pick up uh, for a slacking uh, member or one that's having a bad day or whatever you want to say. Uh, it's not a one-man team. It's not uh, a one-man show. And I believe that uh, that's how this this team has been prepared and has put been put together. It is a team. Um, the, they have been the Saints have been winning without Reggie Bush. The Saints have been winning with uh, other without uh, Pierre Thomas. The Saints have been winning with um, uh, backups uh, in different positions uh, through uh, her, uh, what's his name, Darren Sharper. He's out, uh, and so there's a lot of uh, shocking. Okay, there's a lot of uh, different members of the team that have been, let's say, hurt or not been able to play, but they are. 
the the team is still winning. Now our our sports analyst, uh, our staff analyst uh, Ron Fernandez is going to be maybe explain that a little bit further to me, and and I'm just going to tell you right now that um, before Ron comes on is that uh, the only team or, or the only member of the Saints organization that I would consider uh, detrimental to the progress and the winning of the of the Saints is the coach Sean Payton. You can you can swap out all these other guys. And um, you, uh, they, the Saints will win. Now there might be a little problem at quarterback, but I think Daniels is uh, is uh, well qualified, and he gets some bugs out of him, and he could he could fill fit in or fill in quite well. Um, so, but I was really impressed with the Saints and their ability to overcome adversity. And to continue to fight and pick up for some slackers of that day, some drop balls and and fumbles and everything else. They're a team, and they're becoming more and more of of, of perfection uh, in their uh, in the season. So I've um, let's see. I tried to get Mr. There it is. Okay, Mr. Fernandez, Reverend Ron, how are you doing this morning? Living blessed, living blessed, living large. Almost hit my goal of gaining another 15 pounds eating turkey over the last few days. That was my goal. I said, I'm gonna. We had a, uh, you know, there's no perfect families, not many perfect families anymore since we've kind of got some, uh, you know, we've got grown-up children and people spread all over the place. So, which turns out to be a blessing for me because I get to eat like four different uh, Thanksgiving dinners, and yesterday we had a little bit. Uh, less traditional form. We had some uh, some grilled oysters and fish and ribeyes, and so it was it was uh, bountiful. It was definitely a cornucopia uh, for this Thanksgiving holiday. Um, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talking about team, 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 and and uh, the only one we can't do without is Sean Payton. Well, Sean Payton's as much as a part of the team, uh, you know, as any player that's on the team, and. Sean Payton certainly can put things into place, but in the end, the players have to go out there and execute. And, you know, that's all nice and that's fine, and I want you to know that football is played on a gridiron, and what I was impressed by is they're getting back to be the old Saints where they can basically score at will. And that's what we need. We need score at will, shock and awe, you know, just at any minute and put the ball in the end zone. And that, that's what it looked like to me. At the end of the game there, we came back and, and we just answered when we had to answer. And, and that, that kind of looked like the Saints of old. Uh, the one thing I have to say about today is go Green Bay. Go Green Bay. Because Green Bay is playing Atlanta in Green Bay. They're bringing them up there to the, I don't know if it's the frozen tundra at this time of the year, but they'll be at Lambeau. And uh, Atlanta's was a two-point favorite. You said you saw somewhere where Green Bay was favored by one? Uh, yeah. Either way, though, home field advantage is three points. And uh, Green Bay, um, I would think, should be more than that because, you know, going into Green Bay uh, is, is a whole different ball game. Uh, you know, if Atlanta's favored by, by two or if Atlanta's favored by uh, – or a one-point dog. Either way, they're, they're, that means that they're 
on a neutral field, they're going to be anywhere from, uh, you know, from from four or from two to to five or six points better than than Green Bay on a neutral field. And it's amazing to me how these handicappers get it so close. But long and short of it is, New Orleans Saints are eight and three, Tampa Bay seven and three. I think Tampa's going to go down today. Carolina's way out of the running. But uh, Atlanta is eight and two, so with a loss today, that'll make them eight and three, and that puts the Saints in the driver's seat. And we're going to meet Atlanta. Is that our last game of the season? We meet Atlanta again. No, I think it's Tampa. I don't, I don't. But we do play Atlanta one more time, right before the end of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's going to be like a you know ready-made playoff game. Well, you know that uh, Atlanta beat us because Hartley missed that field goal. Right, right. So it was, it was a close game, hard-fought game. I happen to be privileged to be in the company of a about 50 Atlanta Falcons fans. And, uh, you know, since uh, since I had that privilege of being in their company, and I'm saying that with a, a certain air of sarcasm, um, <clears throat> I all the more want the Dirty Birds to go down. I'm not a voodoo guy. I don't believe in that. But I, there's a commercial on TV where an Atlanta Falcons fan moves into New Orleans and he's a next-door neighbor uh, to a New Orleans fan. Have you seen it? And the no, guy's sitting, uh, sitting in his chair and he's got a voodoo bird, a voodoo doll, and then the, uh, oh, yeah. the, Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons fan walks up to to the mailbox or whatever and he sticks a needle in his arm and he falls down and the guy says, a dirty bird can't fly with a broken wing. So, I'm not a. I don't really believe in voodoo. Never been involved in it or exposed to it. I have no desire to be, but uh, I kind of like that commercial. So uh, uh, I got a cousin came in town from Atlanta, but she's a New Orleans fan, so she's chomping at the bit too, hoping that the Saints take the Falcons down because she's been getting a lot of grief over it. And, and co- coincidentally, her mother is actually from the Green Bay area, and their family has, uh, I don't know if it's four or six tickets, uh, you know, for Green Bay, which is a uh, a totally different type of franchise. It's actually owned, I think, by the ticket holders. It's owned by the the, uh, the fans as opposed to, you know, having an owner like the Saints with Benson. So that's that's a pretty cool cool thing. And a number of years ago, uh, well, you know, they kind of rotate out, so... I didn't get a chance to go, but I uh, uh, maybe somewhere in the mix when it comes back around to Uncle Al and Aunt, Aunt Kurt, I'll be able to uh, get thrown in the mix and go see a game up in Green Bay. So, um, uh, yeah, the Saints pulled out. You know, we got a couple of games left here. We're going to finish out. And, and basically, if I'm looking at it, uh, we're right on schedule to finish up exactly where I predicted, huh? That's right. Yeah, that's yep. right. So, um, three losses is what I predicted for the season. So, uh, of course, I didn't think they were going to be the losses that we heard, but uh, you know, that's uh, that's why they call it. Uh, that's why it's a sport and it's a game. And as we always say in the NFL, on any given day, any team can can jump up and surprise you. Uh, unfortunately, LSU didn't show up last night. Huh? Do you watch that game? Yeah. Well, I watched. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Uh, more amazing was uh, uh, Auburn and Alabama. I couldn't believe mm. that one. Neither me. I fell asleep. Uh, took a little nap. I was resting my eyes. We'll say uh, when I 
close my eyes, Alabama was winning 21 to nothing. And when I opened my eyes, I was like, what happened here? So uh, I, I think that uh, I think that game aged. Um, Saban. Yeah, I think yeah. he I think he aged a few years uh, on that game. But you know, here we are. We're coming down to the wire, and it's salvation time for the Saints. And you know, we we're trying to repeat, and um, I think we got a pretty good shot at it. Seems like we're starting to gel at the right time. And you know, Reggie Bush came out and did not have a stellar performance, but. You know, obviously we had to throw him in the mix and knock some of that rust off of him, and that was probably the primary purpose of <clears throat> putting him in the game. Because, um, you know, I think he's still an integral part of that that offense, and even if we just use him as a decoy, uh, he's still contributing. So you know, uh, Green Bay is at Atlanta. Green Bay is playing at Atlanta. Oh, are they? I yeah, was, uh, and uh, they're still a one-point favorite at Atlanta. Oh, well, it's just the opposite then. So there I am, supposed to be the well-informed sports analyst, and uh, I surely thought that they were playing in Green Bay. Now I'm looking at it. It says Green Bay at Atlanta. Actually, Atlanta's a one-point favorite. Excuse me. Atlanta's a one-point favorite over Green Bay in Atlanta. Okay. Well, I had them listed as a two-point favorite. So at home, if they're a two-point favorite, home field advantage is good for three. So on a neutral field, Green Bay would be considered the better team. But, you know, um, none of that matters. When they blow to the whistle and they kick the ball off, it's, uh, it's a whole new uh, whole new deal, right? And right. Hopefully, uh, right. But as I said before, go Packers. I'm all for Green Bay today. And, uh, and Baltimore. Reason, I don't know. And Baltimore, but I don't think that's going to be as much of a factor. I think uh, I think Tampa Bay's. Uh, I don't think we need to worry about Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, there's two teams that I, you know, and, and uh, you've heard me say it before. University of Florida, for whatever reason, I just I just can't bring myself to cheer for the University of Florida, and um, Atlanta Falcons is the other one. I just. I just never, never could pull for the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, that's just, I guess, the hitch in my giddy up or glitch in my programming, however you want to say it. But uh, I still have every so often a, a bad uh, dream or vision about back when I was in college and looking across the field and seeing Steve Spurrier over there with his little visor on his hat, swinging that visor around. And uh, I just never did. You know, he's a fine man and he's a good coach, but he's just always rubbed me the wrong way. And it's thanks to Steve Spurrier and his tenure at two, at Florida that I just am not a big Florida fan. And, then of course, our uh, years of competition and I guess maybe just some of the uh, behavior that I've, I've, I've uh, witnessed with Atlanta fans. Uh, I'm just not a big Atlanta fan, so... So I guess that was a sidebar and maybe a little more information than everybody needed, but nonetheless, I just felt led to have to say that. So we're looking for salvation today, eh? Right, right. You know, uh, it's something like I said um, in the uh, write-up, the description of the program, in that uh, I'm sure glad my run to the eternal Super Bowl in heaven is not determined by my performance, but by the performance of the superstar and perfect performer, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. 
And so my salvation is based on the work and effort and the performance of Jesus Christ. It's not based on my performance uh, of, of anything. No performance of mine contributes at all to uh, my salvation. It's all on God. It's all on Jesus Christ. And he's the one that saved me, and he's the one that's keeping me. And I can't uh, lose it because I never did anything to earn it or get it. And and so, uh, you know, like uh, in John chapter 10, in verse, uh, let's see, John chapter 10, in verse uh, what is it, uh, 26? No, 28. The Bible tells us this. That's what I'm turning to right now, John 10, 28. And uh, it says there, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my father are one. So it states there plainly that I'm in the hand of God. I'm protected by, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm secured by the performance and the salvation of Jesus Christ. I'm in the hand of God, and I am empowered by the eternal Holy Spirit. And so I was given to Jesus Christ to say wasn't that I did anything to get to go to Jesus Christ today. As a matter of fact, um, it says in Ephesians, in chapter 1, whoops, wrong way, Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 4, Paul is explaining uh, to the people in, uh, in Ephesians, Ephesus, uh, their condition or position with God, and he says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, I'm going to start there, he says, according as he hath chosen us, talking about God, uh, according as he hath chosen us in him who in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So, as it says in John chapter 10, that I was given to Jesus Christ uh, to keep and save, to save and keep, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that I was chosen to be in Christ or to be a child of God, uh, to have Jesus as my older brother and, uh, from the foundation of the world. Way before you and I were born, it was already uh, determined that we would be a child of God, that God would save us through Jesus Christ, and that we are in Christ now, and, and Jesus Christ is our older brother, and we have the DNA, 
We have the same DNA as Jesus Christ. We have the same spirit as Jesus Christ that resurrected him from the dead, the Holy Spirit. It tells us that in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and verse 11, that we have the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, that same eternal spirit. So my salvation is not based on anything that I have done or will do or have done. Uh, past, present, or future, it's based on my kinship, my, my, my kinship to God. Uh, Jesus used to a, uh, he referred to that to a Jewish leader who thought that he was uh, in God's family and, and had his inside track and in the know and, and in salvation because of him being a Jew and a religious leader, et cetera, et cetera. And Jesus told him, no, you got to be born again. And what he was referring to, that all of his, let's say, pedigree, his uh, accomplishments and everything, his position in society and acceptance as a, a religious leader and ruler, had nothing to do to give him points toward uh, being in God's family, to, for God to accept him because of his uh, birth and, and work and uh, righteousness and everything else. No, he had to be born into God's family by the Spirit. And so that a person that is born of God is born of God before he's even born physically. He is chosen by God. And um, when a person believes in him, then this Actually, the, the reality of him being a child of God overtakes uh, this struggle that's been going on in his life so that um, he surrenders to the fact that Jesus Christ is his Savior, Jesus Christ is his Lord, Jesus Christ is his older brother, whatever you want to say. So um, and he, and he says that in Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8, yeah, and verse 29. It tells us there. It says that, for whom he did foreknow, talking about us, he foreknew us. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So that tells us that Jesus Christ is our older brother. So it's not about works. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's about who's your daddy. And according to the grace of God, uh, our Heavenly Father is our daddy. He is. Uh, we're in God's family. Um, you got any comments about that, Ron? Well, I was going back. I started to – you can hear me, can't you? Can you yeah. hear me? Um, I started to interrupt or interject a minute ago when you were talking about, uh, I don't know if it was a sad Pharisees or Sadducees or whoever, or, you know, a, a religious Jewish man who thought that he had the in line on, uh, on track, fast track to heaven. And, um, you know, maybe we can discuss that a little more also. But, you know, when you go back to John 10 and 26 and you continue on in that in that scripture, it talks about, the Jews were picking up, picking up stones. They were getting ready to stone Jesus, 
because he was likening himself to to being uh, God. And um, uh, in the study Bible that that I was looking at here, um, uh, in 1023 it says, how had Jesus claimed to be God? Jesus had earlier said, before Abraham was born, I am. Was Jesus claiming to be older than Abraham? He had also referred to God as his father. Why was Jesus accused of blasphemy? You know, Jesus becomes even more specific, claiming to be one with the Father, and that is equal to the Father in the divine essence of his nature. But, um, uh, you know, in 1026, it says, though the Jews were of the lineage of Abraham, you know, and, and that they, 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 they ought to have belonged in the, I guess what we call a sheep pen of faith, you know, being the sheep that know his voice, their unbelief excluded them. And the explanation that they have here says simply being a descendant of Abraham was not enough. Likewise, being of a different ethnic background does not keep one out of, you know, being of God, of being in that lineage of the Lord, uh, of being in God's sheep pen. Um, those who believe in Jesus, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're, you're a sheep. So it's not a, uh, you know, we were chosen before the beginning of time and you know our names are written in the Lamb's book and the long and old called truth of it is it has nothing to do with uh, whether you're Jewish or you know whatever you know um, you can still come to salvation through Jesus Christ um, I guess the question I wanted to ask you is you know that being said and since we were chosen you know, what's our part in it? I mean, is it just something that's going to come up on us at some point and we're going to experience, or, uh, you know, how do you get saved? How do you say, okay, how do you realize this? Well, God has a a life for each one of us. Uh, He has his will for each one of us. And so we, we can fight that will. We can fight our heritage. Um, and live a miserable life, and and a very uh, unsuccessful and 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 destructive life, and so God will, you know, let you go live that way so that you can realize that there's something wrong, so that He can, uh, when appropriate time comes, tap you on your shoulder or uh, make Himself aware of you, uh, of Him, excuse me, of Him, and then uh, you'll come to your senses and surrender to your uh, heritage, which is, uh, through Jesus Christ, your Savior. Uh, I think a good, a good place for that uh, explanation of that is in Luke chapter uh, 11, and I believe it's verse 15. Luke 11 is the, prodigal, the story of the prodigal son. And in the, in the story of the prodigal son, no, it ain't Luke eleven fifteen. Uh, where is the particle? So maybe it's fifteen eleven. Let me try that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's Luke fifteen eleven. I had him switched. Um, and he said a certain had two sons. Uh, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of of goods that falleth to me. So 
Here is a man that has two children. Okay, they're his children. They're his sons. And 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 he says uh, his younger son, hey, give me what I got. Come to me. Give me my inheritance now. Okay, that's what he's saying. Uh, and he divided it to them his living. And now many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there, arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants to my fa- excuse me, of my f- father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. So what happens is, is that we rebel against our heritage, and like this young man did, the younger son did, and we go out and do our own thing, and we go along with what the world teaches us or dictates or promotes to us as the way to live and a high, uh, high, high life and a hedonistic life. And uh, we don't know how to live that way. We're not part of that 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 scene. We're not part of that uh, that group. We're not part of that uh, uh, those people. We're not. We're just not part. We're not them. And so, accordingly, we don't live that way. Uh, we live a. Uh, we don't know how to live that way, and we live the failed life. So then, um, it, in the appointed time. He, uh, as it says in verse 17, when he is in the pig pen and he is uh, eating pig slop with the pigs uh, because nobody, you know, he's been a big fool and everybody's played him for the fool, you know. And and so um, and so now he's uh, it says in verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And the Bible says he came to himself. That's the point of realization of who you are in God's creation. That's the point of salvation. If I said that's when a person knows their heritage, their birth, uh, who they are um, in the eyes of God, uh, they understand that uh, something's wrong. And and now, uh, what I've heard before. The message I heard before, there was a time, Ron, when I, I there was a, I heard about this one guy that uh, he was having dreams of Jesus, and he lived in Iraq. He was a Muslim. He had dreams of Jesus, and it bothered him so much that uh, he escaped from Iraq and was at some place where he ran across a, China, a China, man from Chinese, a businessman from China, and that was a Christian. And he started talking to him about Christ. And at that moment, he received Christ, or he surrendered to Jesus Christ. And what he was to be all the time, he became part of or experienced in full force. Now, if you read the rest here, it says in verse 18, I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy 
to be called thy son. He says, I'm not worthy of it. Man, I've screwed up so much. I've fallen away. uh, As it says in uh, 1 Peter or 2 Peter, a dog returned to his vomit. I returned to my vomit or whatever. I was in my vomit. Um, And so I've fallen away. I'm not worthy to... uh, uh, to be called your son, there ain't none of us be, are worthy to be called uh, children of God. But that doesn't mean we're not children of God. I guarantee you a lot of times when I was growing up, uh, uh, my I disappointed my parents, and uh, they, uh, you know, had second thoughts. Maybe they got the wrong babe at the uh, out of the nursery when I was at the hospital. But uh, it doesn't matter. Our performance, we're not our our heritage is not based on our performance. Our heritage is based on who we are, uh, who our daddy is. I mean, you look at Prince Charles, and what did he do to be the uh, the Prince of England? What did he do to be worth uh, billions of dollars? Uh, to be and his son to be next in line to be the King of uh, England? Nothing. He was born into it. And it's the same thing that you and I, we are born into it in the great uh, plan of God. We are his children. And when we surrender to that, that's when, quote unquote, we surrender the, the reins of our life to God to save us from ourselves. That's salvation. And look what he says here. I want, um, and so in verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It doesn't say kicked him. It says kissed him. Okay, not kick him, kissed him. You know, they, you know the Christianity, Christians are the only ones, well, not the only ones, but they're one of the ones that shoot their wounded. Uh, they, they shoot their wounded. Uh, they'll see a brother or sister down, and they'll disagree with their lifestyle, and they'll make sure that they'll ostracize themselves or talk about them or put them down or whatever it might be uh, instead of helping them. And so, but this father of this rebellious son, this prodigal son, uh, uh, went up to his son and kissed him and kissed him. And it says, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He says, Dress this boy up, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. He was lost and he was found. He was dead, et cetera, et cetera. But he was, no matter what, he was God's son. He was this boy and this man's son. And so, uh, and it's really brought out by the older brother. And he says uh, in verse 27, well, verse 26. Okay, verse 25. Now his eldest son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. The older brother would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Great performer, 
Wait, man, I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son has come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, and thou hast killed for him the fatty calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. You see, he he was serving his father because of what he had. And he was serving his father because he wanted to keep it. And when he didn't have to serve his father, he didn't have to do anything for it. It was already his because he was his kid. And so here's the the righteous, like Nicodemus and like the religious leaders who thought they were in because they were Jews, the self-righteous, arrogant ones said, well, I'm... I'm, I don't do this. I don't drink, cuss, or smoke. I'm not going to drink a beer when I watch the Saints game today or the football game today. I'm not. I'm going to not. Never will those touch my my righteous lips. But they'll talk about their brother or put them down or whatever else. But they, they, they'll this religious. I'm earning my way or I'm doing right. Therefore, my heavenly Father thinks better of me or I'm in better standing with Him. Is a bunch of hogwash. It's a bunch of hogwash. It's a lie. And this brings it out plainly. And his father said, he says, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this, thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And so here it plainly says, it does not, your performance does not determine your, who you are in the eyes of God. You are who you are because of the grace of God. Now, you can be like the prodigal son and take the grace of God and abuse it and use it as a license to sin, and you will not live long. You will live a very discouraged and defeated and depressed life. You, one thing that we cannot do as children of God, we cannot successfully sin. We cannot do it. We can live a, an abundant in, uh, life. We can live a very joyful and rich and abundant life, satisfying life. But we cannot go out and sin successfully. We can go out and sin, but we will not prosper at it. And we will not be able to promote it or encourage others to do a sinful lifestyle as we do. It's impossible because that's not our nature. And this prodigal son proves it. He had the money, he had everything, but he didn't fit in. He was like a, a square peg in a round hole, a round peg in a square hole. He didn't fit. Even though he wanted to, he tried to, it, was very, uh, it looked real good, there was a lot of attraction and temptation to it, but he didn't fit in. And so uh, he lived that style for a while, but, man, he even got fed up when eating the pig slop. And that's very, very demeaning for a Jew to eat pig slop. And so, but when he came back, his father didn't uh, just kick him or dismiss him or uh, say, I don't have nothing to do with you. No, he took him in, cleaned him up, put a a royal clothing or a rich clothing on him, killed him, and had a party because he was back. Now, his old self-righteous, holier-than-thou brother said, what are you doing? How come you're, you're doing that? You never did that for me. He said, man... Hey, son, anytime you wanted a calf, you could have killed and ate it. You didn't have to earn it. 
You didn't have to do something to have a, a, a calf killed or whatever. You're, you're, my, you're my son. Everything I got is yours. And so that was an awakening for him. He surrendered to the grace of God. So you got the elder, self-righteous, holier-than-thou uh, older brother surrendering to the grace of God, and then you've got the younger brother surrendering to the grace of God. And I believe the Father represents our Heavenly Father, and the Father has been in both camps at one time in his life. He's wise. He's been there, done that, and he's got the T-shirt and, and probably a few scars to prove both, uh, both ends of it. And so it's not about us. It's about Jesus and what he has done for us through his grace, through his calling, his performance. And uh, I can't lose what I, I didn't have any, uh, anything uh, involved in acquiring. It's a gift. You know, you know, I was talking to a young girl yesterday, and I said, you know, has your daughter ever, you ever had a change of diaper? Yeah. Well, uh, had your daughter, a four-year-old daughter, ever disobeyed you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, do you love her? Yes. Does that make any difference uh, whether she disobeyed you or has a dirty diaper or whatever? Uh, does your love wane? No. And so that's the relationship we have. And so all of this misunderstanding is based on the curse, the curse. We are, God cursed us and said, you're going to have to earn everything that you uh, produce out of that ground. By the sweat of your brow and by struggles and, and, and disappointments and twists and turns, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to earn everything. That's the curse. And so man thinks because he's got this curse on him, he's got to work for everything to produce everything and et cetera, et cetera, that that's the way uh, it, uh, it is with God, their relationship with God. But it's not. That's part of the curse. I mean, you know, for the things of this world, yeah, you're, you're going to have to go out there and follow the, the dictates of, uh, to, uh, of what this world or, or the systems of this world to accumulate the things of this world. But in your relationship with God, you got everything that's needed to you, even the things of this world. He will provide for you to, the, uh, to meet your needs. He will provide for you, not the way the world does it. And you see, so that uh, the religion picks this up and says, well, you've got to earn your salvation. You've got to earn um, your, your way to heaven. And if you don't do such and such and such and such, that you'll fall away and you'll die. You know, Jimmy Swagger said at one time, <clears throat> if he was if he was about ready to haul off and hit his wife, and uh, was struck by lightning and struck by lightning and got uh, and would kill him, that he'd go to hell. Now, if that, if that is true, then then I wonder what uh, if he's going to hell. Uh, because of uh, what he did to his wife by cheating on her and and uh, all of that, being unfaithful to her. I mean, I think that's a lot worse or just as bad, even if then hitting her in the face with his fist. So, again, this works work performance, um, uh, performance-based theology is on the fallen nature of man, the curse of man that uh, God put him under because he, ha uh, he says you got to work for everything. But that curse has been relieved or, or taken away, released because 
of Jesus Christ and because our faith in the Father. And because we're in the family of God, therefore, we look to our Heavenly Father to take care of whatever, uh, to provide for His will for our life. Whatever God's will is for our life, He's going to provide it in His way, in His time, and everything else. And if uh, the uh, children of God cannot realize that, if they they if they're under the curse, if they're thinking as a as a man thinks that a, a man that is cursed thinks, then he's going to fall into that teaching and that philosophy and that way of life, and he's going to have a miserable life. But if he looks at Jesus and he looks at the what his uh, the Word of God teaches, that once he realizes he's a child of God, he lets his heavenly Father take care of him. And his Heavenly Father takes care of him and motivates him, opens doors for him, uh, gives him the insight and the desire to do certain things. Then he knows that it's God's will and this is uh, God's going to provide for him to perform his will for his glory. And sometimes that takes in making the old uh, uh, dollar, but not for just to make dollars, but uh, so that he can be uh, a, a child of God, can be sustained in God's will. That that's that's what it's about. You there? Amen. 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 I think you ran over your time there, buddy. You got four seconds left. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's close out then, brother. Let me uh, close out. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm gonna do a a, a different. Uh, I guess uh, they call it benediction uh, at uh, Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Uh, I'm going to go there and close out with this verse. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. And brother, what we've been talking about is a mystery. To a lot of people, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the com commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. <laughs> to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And that's Romans uh, sixteen twenty five through twenty seven. And brother, uh, I appreciate uh, our time of fellowship here, and and uh, I will be uh, sitting around uh, the television today, uh, uh, consuming some beverages, and uh, enjoying uh, the defeat of uh, Tampa, and. Uh, Atlanta. <laughs> God bless you. Go Green Bay. All right. Amen. Bye.